0: now we are on go live and this should be a good one hello everyone good afternoon bc here welcome to my tech tuesday show this is episode 142 if my memory serves and hope you guys are well thank you so much and hello dc5r parts good seeing you indeed thanks for joining Parse. good seeing you eric Le Greetings as well. S.A. Limo, how are you? Lucas Weinsberg, good to see you as well, sir. A.J. Thompson from Across the Pond, greetings. Good afternoon, J. Ken 5482. D. S.K. Luntz says I'm the boss. Thank you so much, appreciate that. Wig time, Aaron? No, not today. Today I'm just wearing my pure hat. No wigs today. And for those of you on YouTube, thank you so much for joining. And those of you here, if you haven't, Subscribe to the BC Moto YouTube page. Please do after this. Go out there later on. Look for BC Moto. Subscribe and hit the notification bell because I put really cool stuff up on there. Phillies in the house, courtesy of Dragon the Moons. Good seeing you. Isufe, if I'm seeing it right. Hello. Two Wagons, One Cup, with the coolest name on IG. Good seeing you. You're the Porsche boss, says Bow Stock 10. Thank you so much. And now you see I'm surrounded by a lot. I have a Porsche right here, project right here. I have a Mercedes Benz right here. I have a Tesla Roadster behind me there, I have an Audi R8. I just love cars, I love all different types of cars, I love things that go fast, you know? Corvo is saying, is that a Tesla Roadster? Yes it is, Corvot. look at that. Right there, the original, the one that started the madness. And I'm going to do a review on that soon, and I will put it up on my YouTube page. Very rare indeed. Love my Honda Wagon, says Reyes, Charm, it's right there, I'm looking at it right here. Um, good morning, be busy watching from my vacation in Vegas. Wow, nice! Oh, you cool. That's interesting because I have um, the owner of CSF coming here to do some stuff on, on the Veloster. So maybe I can talk to him about that. You know, what do I think of the new Roadster? Asked Lucas Weinsberg. Man, that thing is going to set the world ablaze. It's going to be the new level of supercar, and it won't cost what you would have to pay for Rivian, but it would outperform up- 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 that. Sean Lee, my neighbor. Good seeing you, brother. How are you? Thank you for joining my Tech Tuesday today. Hello, EG Angel. And today, I want to talk about something really cool, right? So as I mentioned, right behind me here, there's a Tesla Roadster, which kind of started the great movement courtesy of Elon Musk with the new EV revolution. Um, The EV1 did a good job from GM, but then that was kind of abruptly halted, and all those cars were recovered and destroyed. So this really became the I would say genesis to mass production of EV vehicles, and next to it is a, another vehicle that is kind of seen as a supercar of sorts, which is the Audi R8, and that's petrol, that's pure EV, and I was asking today if it's the ideal combination to have a hybrid like what the new NSX is, the NC1 car is, you know? And there are different schools of thought. Some people love the sound and vibration and feel of the petrol engine. Some people love, like myself as well recently, love the torque and advantageous acceleration of the EVs. But hybrid, combine the two, right, which is pretty cool, allows you to have the sound and the, the, the somewhat vibration and, 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 how should I say, baptism by fire, for lack of a better word while having all the benefits of the EV setup for launch and immediate torque and not having the range anxiety that you typically would have if you had a pure EV, which many times is not the big deal, you know? Um, hi to you, Superman from Brother, okay, thank you so much. Not a Lotus? No, actually, it's interesting you said that that actually is a Lotus, I would say, glider chassis that Elon purchased, quite a few units, I think about 3,000 of them, and infused a BorgWarner-based uh, electric motor in them. So I have been going through that car with Viga and even though it says Tesla, you get inside, it feels like Lotus, but quite luxurious, more luxurious than what you see in Exige, which is pretty cool, you know? Hi from the UK, says Jagged Melons. Good morning, Indonesia. It's 2 a.m. Wow, you're hardcore. Thanks so much. And Chase is saying the NSX is on the It is, because it really is the first and so far the only supercar I've driven that I feel could be a daily driver. It's just so refined, so tame, has that... That Acura reliability, which is very good, is very unique for a while until the C8 came out. It kind of, the C8 kind of looks a lot like the NSX, which is kind of frightening. And the price point is not bad because you're getting the power that you may see in an F1, um, the power you may see in an Enzo, Ferrari, or McLaren F1. They're kind of that technology, but at a fraction of the price. You don't have to pay seven figures. You're more in the lower six-figure range, which is pretty good. Now, some people feel so passionate about EVs that they feel like having a hybrid is like lugging around a petrol engine you don't need to so here's my school of thought personally i love petrol cars it's where i hold my teeth it's really awesome i love shooting flames against some of my content i love it right however on the ev front as an enthusiast really first even before me say i'm an engineer i'm an enthusiast first by far even before i got my degree i was an enthusiast i love the acceleration of ev cars and i also love not being the position to pollute I've watched if you guys know you guys know I love 935 right um, this is gonna be a 935 next to me here that's gonna be a 935 right over there I really love 934 vehicles but when you look at the videos on YouTube you see them starting the puffing smoke and all that stuff It's really nasty right so it's, it's really bad and I, I just want to have fun without the guilt so I don't like the pollutants and, and exhaust gases and smoke so EV cars allow me to have the speed agility you know, the quick nature and not have the guilt of pollutants. And here's what's weird. Call me crazy, guys. I've said this before in Convoke. You may remember this. I feel more connected to the road when I drive an EV. You just, you hear the pebbles. You feel the road. You hear the tires more. It's just more of this feedback. And when I get into one of my petrol high-performance cars, all that feeling, that connection is dampened by the sound and vibration of the car, which is pretty interesting, you know? Please address where electricity comes from. It's clean energy. It's not better than petrol engines. It is. Um, so here's the thing. Depending on your, where you come from, where you reside, the king of odd, it could be coal. Most likely it will be nuclear. Sometimes it's generated from nature, being like dams. Sometimes if you go near Palm Springs, it could be generated by wind. In Southern California here, we have a lot of solar panels here, which is just renewable energy, courtesy of the sun. So it's much cleaner, but let's look at what petrol does. Um, and I've been pursuing this even before I got, ex- I got exposure to EVs. I have been trying to find a cleaner way to have fun. So my minivan, the Odyssey, runs on ethanol. My wagon runs on ethanol. My Porsche right there runs on ethanol. I've been trying to find ways to reduce sulfurs, you know, oxides of sulfur, oxides of nitrogen, which creates acid rain, which is pollutant. Um, California is a very strict state. so. If you see the smog, if you look up in California before pre-COVID and look at in Southern Cal how the smog just fills the basin and then fast forward to COVID where people weren't driving, it was just clear. I could see the mountains. It's really bad. So um, people can try and argue about this. Um, that's fine. Um, I'm aware of some of the things that the petroleum companies have done to push EVs in a negative light. That's fine. But net-net, based upon what I've seen, my own personal exploration without having an agenda or what not. I have been looking for clean methods. I even love hydrogen a lot, but it just doesn't give me the performance I need today's, with today's technology. And the EV just fits the bill for me. And that's what you see more and more from me moving forward, you know? C. Wooden says, hello from Indiana. Is it true that you used to make gasoline with esters? Yes, that's correct. So he has a, I think, uh, See. Sewudin is asking about what happened. So, when I was a student, um, I had my CRX that I raced, that I drag raced a lot, and just didn't have the resources or comfortably the resources to buy race fuel. And at that time, you can get regular gasoline for like a couple dollars a gallon, and a race fuel was $7 a gallon. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a lot. So, as a chemical engineering student, I thought, okay, how could I be able to make my own fuel without having a challenge of a huge expense? So... Being all I had to do is use a 91 octane as a base fuel that we have commercially here in California, and adding anti knock agents like benzene, which is a known carcinogen by the way, tetraethyl lead, another known carcinogen and adding a little bit of a toluene to add that little extra component and add some stabilization as well, I was able to do great things. So, you know, fast forward to today, you know, I'm doing this Tech Tuesday with all of you, I'm sharing my information about, you know, what I've learned and technology and just being open. I've always been that way, just on a smaller scale. So when I went to the racetrack and people asked me, hey dude, your car's pretty fast, what fuel are you running? I tell them I make my own. And you know what ended up happening? Uh, people would complain, like oh my god, BC's fast because he's cheating with his own fuel. Not knowing that no, the reason why I was making my own fuel is to save money and I didn't add any oxygenates or anything of that nature. And people kept protesting, protesting at the races and it got so bad I said, you know what, maybe you really mess with these guys. So then came the esters, so what does that mean? The human range of smell is very narrow, right? Very narrow. And esters are like what we use to be able to create everything from air fresheners to certain scents to adding to our, what we consume. Like, you know how you have Hawaiian punch, right? Hawaiian punch is not 100% punch. It's like 10% punch, the rest are like esters. Anyway, and esters are hydrocarbon based. So that being said, you can, in fuel, mix it up and combust it. what I did was just to piss people off because they were complaining. It was not a couple guys. A lot of people complaining about what I was doing. They wanted to force me to go buy regular fuel and spend four times what it cost me to make my own. And I just added esters to my fuel to create a smell. So when you start the car, it smelled like grapes or strawberries. For those of you who raced to race with me in Palmdale, you remember that. I used to do a lot of that, right? And then I tried to make chocolate. It didn't come out right. It smelled really bad. I don't know what that smell was. So... It's just taking, you know, some esters, which are very um, interesting carbon chain compo- compounds and adding certain acids to break down those carbon chains. It kind of changes the range of smell and add it to my fuel. And it didn't give me any detriment in terms of um, being able to hurt my performance. It was just fine, which is great, you know. So that being said, that's how that happened. So I, I hope that gave you some insights. And net-net, I guess the smell just really pushed the sanctioning bodies over the, over the limit. And IDRC was the first one to ban me from doing that. And then um, other section bodies followed suit. And I'll I'll tell you guys something that's really, really bad. Once again, I was a student, right, making this fuel. And my knowledge range was limited. I actually started buying VP fuel. And guess what happened? I went faster. (laughs) So it's like, I guess because the VP had some oxygen in it, so that makes sense. And I didn't put oxygen in mine. So it was better off they left me alone to do my own little stupid fuel. Then get me banned, because when they got me banned, I started running. I think, what fuel did I end up doing? I think I ended up doing um, MS-109. I went faster. Way faster. I gained like three tens. I started beating people even more. So that was pretty interesting, eh? I love for what you do, have classes to teach on fuel. Yeah, there's, I have so much going on. I would love to do that, actually, you No, know? It's just time. You could have gone that much faster, says the Sonic US. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Rod Motorsports, BC. Do you like sport bikes? I've never been... I'm a fan of things on two wheels. I'm terrified of it, to be honest with you. Um, I love four wheels, <laughs> it's more stable. I shouldn't do anything with two wheels. I'll probably kill myself. So no, I, I don't, I don't do four bikes, you know. Um, would it be more efficient to run a, under one liter engine as a generator constantly charging electric car batteries? Um, that would be challenging, only because the one liter engine can put up but so much output to be able to charge a battery. you need quite a bit of input you need quite a bit of kilowatts of energy to be able to charge, let's say, a battery directly via DC quickly. So um, I feel that the best way to move forward as time progresses and that technology gets improved is what, Kovar, I think you're still here, what I'm doing this week to my car, which is infusing CHAdeMO, which is an opportunity, and CCS is coming very quickly, to allow for quick DC charging. So as battery density improves, or energy density improves in batteries, we will have batteries that are more dense, that can give more range, and then with direct charging and the capabilities that, exist, that will exist, you can charge it up as quickly as you would putting fuel in. So imagine having a three, four, five, 600 range vehicle that's fun and clean, and you charge it up, and in 15, 20 minutes, you're fully charged. I've timed myself putting gas in my car, so by the time I go to, let's say, a local petrol station, get my car, put a charge in, fill up, and leave, it's worse than my truck, I'm spending 15 minutes at a gas station here's where it gets even more interesting if we all had gas stations at home would we even go to a gas station i don't think so especially now with covid you see my my ritual i have to wipe down the pump and spray down i'm so terrified while well, at home or at the office here i can just go to my charging station by you know blink and just plug in and i'm gone i never have to even go to a petrol station so there's so many advantages you know um I have an idea for a mid-engine LS-swapped GD3 fit. (laughs) It's so funny. We're talking about this great technology, and Zooty has this old school. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Um, I have an idea for a mid-engine LS-swapped GD3 fit in a few years that is something you could figure out how to tune. So the tuning aspect of that Zooty is not a problem. As a matter of fact, my friends from AEM have a plug-and-play kit available for the LS engine. So... Tuning is not a challenge. Where you have slight challenges, not even that big a challenge, slight challenging, is a fabrication to be able to put that properly, to be able to cool it properly, and to have some kind of sound arresting mechanism so you don't have that loud LS noise into the cabin with you. So that's about it. Bed, podcast on my way to work, says Aaron Von Baron VIII. Thank you so much, I appreciate that. Um, Large upfront costs, CO2 costs on making EV cars, but the running cost of EV is going to be low. Well, I'll give this, I'll even add to that conversation a little bit Kovolt. Upcycling has less of a carbon footprint. So it's actually quite detrimental to the environment to even buy a new petrol car, even a new EV car, than it is to upcycle a vehicle that was previously petrol to that that is now EV. And that's what I'm doing. So I was—I had the opportunity to experience the Jaguar I-Pace, courtesy of our friends from Rosnack, and it was great. And I was this close, this close to pulling the trigger on one, and decided to upcycle an older vehicle. So I will document this build, which is be pretty cool, on YouTube, and it will be my daily. So if you haven't subscribed to the BC Moto YouTube page, please after this run over there, subscribe, BC Moto, B-I-S-I-M-O-T-O, notification bell, and you'll see what madness i'm doing this is something that no one's on this planet yet and i'm going to do it and it's going to be pretty exciting and i'm going to document everything right there on youtube which is pretty cool tom for sdu greetings from colombia and thank you for joining us all the way from south america how do you see the state of the development for the batteries i see that we are literally in the early stages of battery development remember battery ev technology was halted for almost 100 years as even though they start out first, the petrol engine took over, and now we're in a bit of a renaissance, not only in design and architecture and, 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 and enclosures, but also in terms of technology. So we have companies like Samsung SDI, companies like LG Chem, all these great companies that continue to push the envelope with more improved, higher dense, more cost-effective battery solutions. And even with the project, projects I have here, I keep them in such a modular way that as battery technology improves, I'll be able to implement those in my current projects, which is pretty cool. you know. Upcycle says Texas Holyfield. Are there better platforms to change over? Well, I can share this with you. In my experience, I guess with the current architecture of a cost-effective way, let's say using recycled Tesla units or something from um, our friends at Karma, or something of that nature, it's much easier. You know, We have the integrated motor, inverter, and transaxon one. Those tend to, tend to lend themselves very well to mid-engine and rear-engine vehicles, so RR and MR layouts. Now, if you want to use something where you could uh, explore net gain motors, which are like these AC motors that look like a cylinder, and you can stack them, right? And you can use a factory gearbox, and those tend to work well with outputs that are not very high, because you can break those gearboxes very easily. You can use a standard front wheel drive or RR layout, right? MR or FR layout, let's say front engine rear wheel drive, that's no problem. Or even do something very clever with all wheel drive. Now, when you look at the axial-style motors that are not, you know, what the Tesla or Karma's are, those are more like a, a, how should I say, a radio setup, like a a tube. If you use axial pancake-style motors, those can go in any type of cars. But most people are not at that point where they can spend, you know, $10,000 per motor and you need two, three, four, five, six, seven, or eight motors. So the easiest, most cost-effective solutions, what CoVault brings up quite a bit, you know, the Model 3s, the Model Ss, the Model Xs, the small, the large drive units, or the sport, the non-sport, the base. All those, because there are so many cars in wrecking yards now that you can just be able to grab one of those units and put in a car. But I noticed that the mid-engine and rear-engine vehicles are much easier. So you're thinking about Porsche, 911s, Caymans, Boxsters, Corvairs, you know, Volkswagen Bugs, stuff like that. It's pretty cool. What do I start to learn about the principles of EV vehicles online? You know, there's one thing that's so great. It's amazing what you can learn nowadays with Google. We are in August. August last year, I barely knew anything about EV vehicles. And because of my thirst for learning, I had an opportunity to interact with people from EV West, people from GT Electric, had some interaction with people from Zero EV, um, people from Karma, individuals from uh, Friday Future, individuals from FCA, individuals from uh, Canoe. I've had this wealth of information and technical knowledge base of people around me, even Hyundai, to be able to get information and be able to learn from that and try and put my own spin on things, which is pretty nice, you know? Very good call, K.O. Says so "Spy's a 124 cab right here, yes it is. Bagged up, nice, almost ready to go. Thank you, my way swing, appreciate that, you know? Corvaux said, hell yeah, Tesla Motors, the cost per horsepower is insane and there's a massive aftermarket support. Well, I would not say massive, it's getting there. Massive is like, an LS motor, right? And there's just <laughs> companies, hundreds of companies that base on that. But um, it's getting there. I, I agree with you. 90% is getting there, you know. Coco's pick, all the way from Portugal, says I'm reading Top Gear article about your Porsche 935 K3 not, not right now. Oh my god. Cocos, if you can do me a favor, I have not had success talking to my people at Top Gear and getting a copy of that. You can DM me, please, and let me know because I'd like to buy a couple copies from you if you have it in your local bookstore or something like that. I'd like to buy some, send you some resources, ship me a couple. I I need it. I haven't even seen the article. I've seen pictures of it from fans, but I can't get one from the UK. It's pretty crazy. My own article, I can't even get it, you know? Any new projects asking life as Larry? Yes. So you see the W127 here, the Mercedes. There's a Porsche shell right here. There's a Caterham right there that we're converting. I'm going to do some fun things with that beautiful Tesla Roadster back there. Doing a flashing program and some, you know, just tune-up upgrades to the Audi R8. Um, we're doing some uh, modeling, 3D modeling with the guys from CSF in a few moments, right when I'm done with you guys on the new 2020 Veloster, N. There's an NSX NA1. Actually, I should say NA2 because the drive-by-wire newer version that uh, has a supercharged kit, and we're doing a full engine management for this track car as well. There's a Cayman right there on the left. There's an S2000 with an adapter plate system to infuse a CD009 gearbox into it and do some testing for AEM, track build. So a lot going on here. Pretty pretty crazy busy. Flo Topper from Germany. Thank you so much for joining. Appreciate that indeed. Um, what fuel system return did you use on the CRZ build? Was it drop-in assembly? Absolutely not. So boosted GD3 for me, here's the deal. I'm in a very advantageous, I would say, position to be able to work closely with some of the OEMs, American Honda being one of them. So that being said, when we get a project and we have this proposal we give to the manufacturers about what we want to build, it comes with a clean slate. For example, the Odyssey that I'm looking at right here, that's right in front of me, you guys can't see it because it's behind you, but this Odyssey. there When we built it in 2013, there was no aftermarket ECU for an Odyssey or... Fuel system, or for the New Earth Dreams J35, why there was no piston, rod, crank, headwork, valve. There was nothing for this car, and we had seven weeks to build it. So in seven weeks, we had opportunity to design components to be able to do that. Yes, DJ says just a normal diabestic engineer. Absolutely. So let's fast forward to the GD. We built a GD5. That came direct injection, which is very limiting for us because the direct injection system is really close to optimized from factory, and we're trying to make 400 horsepower. So we had to ditch the direct injection system. I plugged all the holes in the engine for direct injection, had the opportunity to retrofit a port injection system in it, which means I had a custom fuel rail that we worked with GoNego to create, large injectors, custom turbo kit, and a standalone using AEM Infinity because this is a track-only car to be able to control fuel ignition and VTEC for the car. And that way, we're able to do that. And to be able to run that, once again, custom fuel rail, an AEM fuel pressure regulator, braided lines all the way to the tank. I used the original feed as a return. I put a bulkhead on top of the fuel pump assembly, gutted the internals, and put a feed pickup and grabbed like a very large pump, and used that pump to be able to send fuel out. And that was it. It's pretty simple, you know? In my country, Portugal, English version is, it's shit out, I only found French version. If I found someone in English, I will send a message. Thank you so much, Coco's pick. I appreciate that indeed, you know. How do you see the cooling for batteries? Are you talking about for EV stuff? There are many ways you can do it. Um, And I've experimented with all of them. Um, Using air and convection to cool is one way. It has to be very efficient to do that. But the most efficient, cost-effective, and pretty good way is liquid cooling. Either using a cooling chill plate where you can use ethylene glycol or some kind of water and cooling mixture to be able to cool the batteries down, keep them within a race range. And or an immersion fluid where you immerse the entire battery assembly into a non-conductive fluid and cool it down that way. Last but not least, I was talking to the guys from Faraday Future about this. I'm using a type of refrigerant system like what you see with AC to be able to cool it down quite nicely. But I like to keep my batteries in the 30 to 40 degrees Celsius range. Anything north of that seems to be detrimental to the cells. Anything south of that, I tend to like not put as much power or charge as quickly. So, now, I would say maybe even 25 degrees Celsius to about 40. That's a happy medium for me. And that's why I like to keep my batteries, no matter what medium I use to cool it. You know? Hi, it says HHP Media. Love this as always. Running direct port injection water meth on my Super STI. Next with the AEM water methanol kit and the Howtech Elite 2500 ECU. What mix of water methanol would you recommend? I would recommend 5050. Definitely. It is a very happy medium because methanol is a very interesting compound so being that it has an oh radical which is very advantageous for all of us right in terms of tuning and cooling and having a low latent heat of vaporization latent heat of vaporization to allow for a cooler intake charge which allows for density mixture and more power it also has the ability of being a very good fuel methanol that is that can allow for more heat being generated for amount of air being ingested so In a perfect world where we had no problems, I'd love to be able to have you ingest 100% methanol, but that is extremely dangerous, because methanol can ignite very easily, and when it burns, it burns clear. You can just see the container melting, it's scary. So what is the best way to give us a balance of performance, anti-knock capabilities, and cooling? 50-50. So I I typically use 50 by volume, mixture of lab-grade methanol, and distilled or deionized water, and I'm good and it gives me the power. That S2000 that's on the left and you can see it on my YouTube page gained 50 horsepower at the same boost level on a high compression engine by just going with that AM water methanol kit and use a thousand cc nozzle for that which is pretty cool. Life is not fair. Oh, Life, life is not fair says BK 2 menace Parts are just at your disposal, even when they don't exist on Earth. Actually, Bk Two Menace, no, they're not at my disposal. And forgive me if I, if I, that's why it came across like, nothing's at my disposal. There's nothing available. We have to create. So, for example, we have the AMECU, right? There's no compound, there's nothing available for a trigger pattern, for even a genesis that you're playing with, you know? Um, sorry, guys, I keep getting I, I these calls coming in. Um, so there's nothing that is available for the pattern that's in the V6 engine in the Odyssey or even your BK. So I have to find a pattern that's very close to that and modify triggers to make it work. That's not something that AM can help me with, that's not something that can call someone up and get that input. It's something that we have to kind of figure out here internally, we have to figure that out here in the office. Fuel systems, I mean, there's nothing commercially available, we have to figure that out here. I have to go to G&J and get lines and measure. And make my own basket to be able to filter the fuel prior to the pump and mount the pump in a place that won't be easy to catch on something underneath or hard to service there's all this and that's not cost prohibitive there's just all these engineering design things we have to implement to make sure it's done right so it's really not a disposal if if i was waiting for manufacturers to create things for us wait for it to be at our disposal the van wouldn't exist the wagon wouldn't exist that came in I don't think BCM engineering would exist, because we're here because we're able to create things, you know, and work with partners to make things come to life. If there's something that I can do here in-house, we find partners that are best at that, and they can help us get to that goal. So I don't have a CNC machine here, so you many times see me going to Tram or going to Golden Eagle to make things happen. I do have a rapid t- prototyping machine here, so I can rapid prototype fit, make sure everything is good, but I do not manufacture CNC parts here yet in the, in-house. Do you like classic Japanese cars, BC? Of course you parse. I love the beauty of classic cars. I really do. From the old school Celicas to the old school Bluebirds and Sentras and EA wagons and I love all these older cars, older Nissans, Dodsons. but I'm not a fan of old technology. So you see many times me combining, right, the beauty of a classic vehicle with modern technology whenever I can. That's my thing. That's my jam, I should say, you know? Do you work on Golf MQB cars? I haven't seen you do something with a Golf GTI. Well, actually, we flashed quite a few, and that's my fault that I haven't promoted that. So we are partners with Cobb tuning, and we did some cool things with AEM earlier on when they were playing around, dabbling with the water-cooled market. So yes, we've done that. And forgive me, I'll put more content showing what we've done with, with GTIs. It's, my, it's totally my fault, but we have, you know? I know you're eight ask. This often but, says Drew B. Life, but nothing comes up afterwards. Hello, Andrew. Good seeing you. VQ, one of the best engines. I appreciate your enthusiasm chasing the life, too. Thanks a million for taking time to answer, says HPP Media. Pushing for more power and meth injection is brilliant here in Ireland. Our fuel is pure quality. 95 Ron. Wow, that is pretty bad. If you have 95 Research Octane... That is pretty bad. So, for those of you who don't know what RON is, research octane. And when we're here in California. We complain about 91 octane. That's research octane versus motor octane divided by two. So, I, most of the research octanes we see are like close to 197. And research octane is where you take the fuel and you see what it can do in lab without de- pre-detonation in a controlled environment with an engine that's in tip-top shape, controlled properly. Motor is more. And I'm bringing this down very. To very simple terms, the motor octane is one where you're in the field, varying conditions, a motor outside in the real environment, and you see how much you can push it before that knocks. And you take the octane seen in the real world versus the octane in the research lab, and you divide that by two. So to have a research number that is 95, that is poor. So by all means, water methanol is your friend. You can, both in NA applications and in boost applications, make more power with more timing, which is pretty good. Hello, Sister Sabra. Good seeing you. Thanks for joining indeed. For those of you who don't know, Sabra is the wife to my very good and best friend, James Johnson. He was the best man at my wedding. I've known him for years. We used to work at Circuit City together. Remember Circuit City, guys? For those of you in the United States, we're serviceable state-of-the-art. And that's his beautiful bride, Sabra. And I call her twin because we are very similar in so many attributes. It's kind of scary. Anyway, good seeing you, Sabra. Good afternoon. What is my next crazy project at Seacocas? Pick? you have to watch my YouTube channel to find out. It's, um, it's really crazy. It's, it's bananas. But, oh, okay, I can say this. Um, this is I can give away. I have three crazy projects. One is going to be a little bit long-term, but really bananas. I'm building an EV that will be superior to anything I've ever done. And I'm building, just as well, Tora, the most technologically advanced ICE I've ever had leave my facility. I can say that. Okay, hope that hope that gives you a little bit of an inkling of what's going on here. You know, um, have you ever worked on a spoon engine? No, Iparse, e um, and it's kind of funny. In the U.S., here, Iparse, e um, in drag racing particularly, we tend to laugh at spoon engines because they look like, and and I have respect for what they do. It's great. But the circle of people in the drug racing community that we interact with feel that they're just warmed over factory parts. Well, we like to push the envelope in terms of head flow, compression, um, friction, coatings, tunability, all that fun stuff. Spoon takes is about balance, which, you know, we just want to go fast. So, no, I haven't worked with spoon engines. I've had customers come here with spoon intakes, which were very restrictive. I've had them come here with spoon cams, which were very lacking. I've had people come here with spoon brakes which are very expensive. But uh, no, I've never had the chance or need or had a customer say, hey, here's my spoon engine, go to town on it. People typically come to us and say, hey, here's an engine, I want to do this, and we make it happen, you know? Can you incorporate your EV package into any car? Um, Well, every car is a little bit different, so what I'm doing in this Caterham will be different from what I'll be doing on that, will be different from what I'll be doing on that Porsche right over there, or even this Porsche right here. So it's more of, They all differ and they're catered towards the chassis and the need of the customer. Like, I had a customer today who needs an EV project, and one of the questions that we ask is what's more important to you, range or performance? And he wanted a happy medium, so we'll give him a range of 100 to about 150 miles, but the performance will be absolutely bananas. Um, He's gonna have it won't be like 900 horsepower, but it'll be more like and he, he can turn the wick up and from 400 to 6. So he can just turn it up himself, but it'll be in that range. It won't be paltry, and it won't be ridiculous, but he'll have decent range. So it depends on the customer. And some people just want mobility. Some people want to go banana, bananas, right? It totally depends. It's interesting. What do you think about Tesla being open to offering powertrains to other companies? I think it's great. They've been doing it for a while. So you guys remember the Route 4 EV? That Route 4 EV is 100%. 100% a Tesla drive unit. So they worked with Toyota for quite a few years. Um, if you find an old school, an older, or slightly older, uh, Route 4 EV, and you take the motor out, it's literally a drive unit from Tesla, with Tesla markings and everything. A Little bit earlier firmware that's in there, but it's the same thing. And I think it's a good thing. Um, Elon and his team, they've been doing some great things, and they've actually helped us. I look forward to doing more things with them as well. Do you like Fiat cars? Asked Rod Motorsports. Actually, I do. Um, Recently, you know, we have a good relationship with the guys from FCA. As a matter of fact, the head of global design, Ralph Chills, is a close family friend of ours and the godfather to my son. So I love what Fiat does is, they've done some great things. Not a huge fan of multi-air engine, but what they've done with some of their performance models has been pretty cool. So I I do. Opinion on E46 M3 for first truck car? Absolutely bananas. You will love it. As a matter of fact, I have a good friend My friend Benny, who I spoke to all weekend, who got me from harness into Porsches, raced many times. He raced Civics, he raced TSXs, and he finally went to an M3, E46, and he loves it. He said it's the most amazing track car. And this guy, what he says, I don't take lightly. So by all means, they are amazing. And they have a lot of aftermarket support. From what I understand, you do have to do some really cool things to reinforce the the truck tires, especially the rear, but they can make a very fun, very formidable track car. Do you like the Hemi engine? I do, um, especially if they're set up to run on flex fuel. <laughs> I do, actually. What's the orange car behind me, says Alan Zussman. Well, that is a rarity indeed. It is a Tesla Roadster. Looks like a cool little Lotus, right? Well, it's a Lotus glider body that Elon purchased quite a few, a few thousand of them years ago. And that was the first commercially available Tesla vehicle. So that's a Tesla Roadster here. And I'm gonna review on that, And I'm going to put it up on my YouTube page, which is pretty cool. How many EV-powered cars are in existence in total? I do not know. But I can tell you one thing. Just Tesla alone, they already reached a milestone of a million vehicles. They've already done that. So I really don't know. But you know what? It does make up a very small percentage. From the statistics I saw recently, it's only 2% of all vehicles sold. So it's not many. But that number continues to increase and increase every month, let alone every year. Hello, Nazi. Hello, Isus. AJ how are you thanks for joining sir um the if you know you know it's good the EPM your EPM is back here they change internals so at your leisure come by Are you an advocate of peace and coding says BK to I am a huge advocate of all types of coatings Oil shedding heat retention friction reducing I'm all about it, so you see as a matter of fact, one thing that set me apart as a racer was my heavy use of coatings in my race engines. And if you talk about any of my engines, you'll see friction reduction coatings on my camshafts. You'll see it on my bearings. You'll see treatments on my crankshafts. Anything where there's any kind of surface interaction. I was big on oils. Uh, so I love the guys from Purell so much. On the piston dome, you see ceramic barrier coatings to allow heat not to get absorbed into the piston so it can stay in the combustion chamber and do work. In there, as it should, you see my valves coated, my combustion chambers is coated um, with certain battery. You see my skirts coated with like a, a style coating. I'm big on that. Because, you know, think about it. In internal combustion engines, we're not really creating power, right? We're really harnessing and being more efficient. We lose so much heat and energy to the surroundings. Anything you can do to retain that in and reduce consumption of energy via friction is a good thing. So, I'm a huge advocate indeed. I love that stuff. So my question is, says Drew B. Life, what is a good way to start on your own in the aftermarket performance world? Is it selling products, installing products, performing maintenance? Actually, it's all of them, all of the above. Um, And we do quite a bit here, from design, to testing, to marketing, to general maintenance, not too much there, to selling parts, to installing parts, to tuning. So put it this way, I'm one of those guys who have been fortunate enough to take a hobby, something I did myself. I worked on my own car, maintained my own vehicle, modified my own vehicle, installed parts myself, tune my own car, and turned that into a business, which has been great. So it's very difficult, it's a lot of work. If you are not willing to put in the hours, because I'm here every day, I think DJ Remarov knows this, I'm here every day, I work long hours, 12, 16 hour days, and that has allowed me to continue to stay afloat here. If you want a regular nine to five job, you clock in at nine, leave at five, you should rather work for someone. But having a business is very gratifying, but it's also a lot of work indeed. A ton of work. It really is. Hello, Island Built 619. Good seeing you. Hello, Fastest Car, says he drove DSF. Thank you so much. That was fun filming that indeed. I love the color, color matching motor horse. Thank you. That's, <laughs> that is, I didn't even notice that, GJ. Good call, sir. That was not by design, sir. Do you like rotary engines? Of course, Adria. I love the simplicity and lack of components of the Wankel engine. I really do. You don't have, you have like, Barely 25% of the companies you've seen a petrol engine. It's just that roadways tend to create a lot of heat are quite noisy and quite dirty. Um, but um, with the new technology they have coming out post-Renesis, I feel Mazda is on a great path, you know? Thanks, BC, says Uiparse. Parse. The new car technology based on EV is amazing. I agree, it's absolutely amazing indeed, you know? Do you have any degrees from college? As ASUS8689500. If yes, what college? Sure, I'll share with you. So, I'm one of those weird guys. Um, I did get into university at a very young age. I was in university at the age of 15, back home in Nigeria where I was, didn't learn much, so I came to the United States to continue. And in Nigeria, I went to the Anambra State University of Technology where I studied petrochemical engineering. Came to the United States, wanted to go to Cal Poly Pomona, but they didn't allow or take my curriculum from Nigeria, so I started fresh. So, I went to very quickly finished up there, I went to Sudas College where I got an associate in arts, and associate in science, in pure and applied sciences, then quickly went to Cal State Long Beach, where I continued and got my bachelor's in chemical engineering and my master's in, in engineering management at Cal State Long Beach. So I hope that helps. See you soon, AJ, by all means. Do you like the first-gen R8? Um, the look was really cool and very forththinking. thinking The gearbox, the SMG, I didn't like. They had many advances with gearbox technology as the As the model progressed, so I tend to like the newer generation RAs just because of their shifting capability. Thank you, Blast Listed CRVs. I'm the nicest guy in the industry. I appreciate the kind words. BC, what's your favorite 911? Mine or general? I would say, in general, period, I love the GT2RS. That thing is ridiculously sick. The new 991 going to 992 GT2RS. Beautiful. In my stable, the best 911 I like, believe it or not, is the K3V. That thing is amazing. It's really blown my mind and changed how I focus on things, you know? Travis Cash says, hey, obese, have you ever thought of building a newer modular Mustang or any domestic brand? I am, and once again, my fault again. So Travis, we worked with Ford. We built a 900 horsepower Mustang as far back as 2015. So we've worked with Ford. Not a very easy company to work with. <laughs> it really wasn't. But we have, so I've built those. It's just my fault that I haven't promoted that much, you know? Oh my god. Does Purell exceed factory specs, specifically for WSA? By all means. So whether you're looking at any of those standards from Ford, from Mercedes, from BMW, from Audi, it meets and exceeds those standards. Um, these guys from Purell, and I'm looking at some cases I have here, they're from aerospace world, and they actually laugh at what happens in the automotive world from what I As I spoke to the engineers, what they've told me is that the technology that they experience in aerospace is decades ahead of automotive, that they don't even understand why people are still selling that stuff in the automotive scene. It's just so behind, so ancient. So yes, in terms of reliability, in terms of protection, it meets and exceeds those factory specs sir, And also meets and exceeds all ACEA, JASO, and API current standards. Getting tired and losing motivation in the dealer world. Oh, Drew, so you, what you could do, to be honest with you, just to see if it's something you like. Weekends, volunteer. I don't care if you even intern at a facility that kind of does what you like in your area and see if it's something you really want to get into. And That would be the best advice I can give you. I, had a, I was fortunate enough to work in a speech shop that I started with my good friend, Richard Salvador, years ago. So many of you in L.A. may remember RS Machine or RS MotorWorks. So it's literally, Richard and I started in his garage. So we kind of started that shop in Carson, California, and continued to grow it, and that allowed me to understand that marketplace even better. And I just found this passion for creating and figuring things out and testing. I just had the opportunity to really race, not because I love to go fast or win a ton of races by default. It was because it was the best way for me to experience my creations. Blacklist asked, why is my shirt inside out? It's a fashion thing. You know, it's just something pretty cool. You know who does this quite a bit? Is Magnus. Magnus Walker does that too. So this is one of the BC Model uh Maholin shirts, and I had it just printed inside out just to be different. I like different stuff. I just I like it. Hey BC says J Duck Talk. Then I sell project getting close. Can't wait to see in two weeks. Awesome. I can't wait to see that as well. I look forward to your car. That's gonna be a fun project indeed, you know? HHP Media saying, "PC, the intake gaskets on your website, what are the advantages of them? Overstock ones for the Subaru engine. Hassan is asking, well, I'll tell you what. You notice how on new cars, they now have like, this one doesn't have it, but they have composite intake manifolds. And there's a reason for that. Composite meaning like plastic, look at plastic, right? And the reason why manufacturers do that is to alienate the heat of the engine, because the engine is this great heat exchange mechanism is this great energy converter and heat is emanated from internal combustion when it radiates into the intake manifold the air coming in that's being ingested expands and as you expand you don't have as many molecules of oxygen in every induction of the air or every time the engine pulls in let's say half of its displacement an eighth of its displacement a quarter of its displacement no matter what volume of air is ingested because the air coming in is expanded because of heat you don't have as much oxygen. And what happens? That means you don't make that much power. So, what does the business intake manifold heat shielding gasket do? Above and beyond, the fact that it's reusable, and I use it on my cars, Boosted and NA and all my race car and everything, it does a great job in alienating the engine heat from the intake manifold. So, your intake manifold stays cooler, so when air passes through it, it doesn't have the propensity to expand very easily. And hence, allows you to ingest more denser air, hence creating more power. And then, you know, factory gaskets could be, you can even use a cost-effective Felpro Pro one. Those could be $60, $70. Sometimes you can get a good deal for $15, but you have to keep switching every time that you take your intake manifold off. But a BC Model 1, I think I have a ridiculous special of like $24 shipped, like something ridiculous to help out the community. And you can reuse it and reuse it and reuse it and reuse it. And, reuse it. and if you have a water little outlet on your gasket, you just put a little bit of RTV in the front and back, and it's good to go. And you can keep reusing it and going and going and going. I've, I've not changed mine in years. And it's, it's really good. So it makes power. And I've seen from low displacement engines, anywhere from 4 horsepower to high displacement engines, I've seen up to 7 or 8. It does work. And you touch your intake manifold, it stays cooler, which is pretty cool. What would you suggest, says Correct the, the best. What would you suggest as the preemptive measures to prepare an M96 for boost? Well, I'll say that's a great question to part on, which is good. I love the M96 engines, and you know why? Not only because Porsche of people, a lot of them hate them, <laughs> that's not the main reason, but look at the ports on that M96 head that you may have. The ports are pretty massive. And as we know, air, ingesting air is the best way to make power in these internal combustion engines, right? So that being said, the M96 engine lends itself to a lot of good flow, which is fantastic, and creates a lot more power. The 4 valve heads are very nice, and so on and so forth, but it does have, as we have seen, Some areas that need to be addressed to be able to place concern at bay. So, de-chunking is something where the top of the sleeve can break off and create a little chunk of a D-shaped mechanism. So, sleeving is the way to go, so that works. Intermediate shaft bearing, if you're already in there, you might as well upgrade your intermediate shaft. There are companies like RS that make an oil-fed one, which is amazing, right? So, that addresses the intermediate shaft issue. I love to use, we talked about earlier on when BK was here, that I talked about coatings, I WPC my crank and my bearings as well. Valve train. The M96 engines and some of the M97s are notorious to fracture valve springs after high RPM use. So that being said, using a motor valve train is something that can help. We have on our site, it's pretty cost like 700 bucks or so. And you can upgrade your springs and retainers. And it's beehive, so you don't have any harmonics that can break the springs, and a much lighter weight. So valve train, sleeve in the block, Having the capability of being able to upgrade the internal combustion, uh, I would say, in uh, the intermediate shaft is a good one. And then last but not least, the rod and piston combo because you're boosting. Um, I use Trom for my pistons, and we have our own BC motor rods. And that would address it. That would make your engine bulletproof. You can make with the sleeving, the rods, the pistons, the valve train, even if you leave the head bone stock, you don't port it, you can easily make four figures with the right turbo system and engine management solution. And I use uh, AM Infinity for my engine management. And since your crankcase, by the way, GRC, um, has a 60 minus two wheel on the cam on the crank and a single pulse haul on the cam, you can use an AM Series 2 or A Infinity very easily. And it offers you a motorsports package at a sportsman price. So that's good. BC, you're the best to ever build. Thank you so much, Johnny Freshman. You're very kind. I appreciate the kind words, you know. Um, do you have any thoughts on the Frankenstein G23? I understand what you're trying to do, I understand it's cost-effective. Um, Kevin is here, and he knows that I'm not a huge advocate of mixing matching heads and blocks. So if I'm building an F23, I'd be an F23. If I'm building an F22, I'd be an F22. If I'm building an H-series, I'd be an H-series. Uh, I guess the G23 is a way to avoid sleeving, so you take an H-series head and you put an F23 block. It's not my cup of tea. I tend to keep heads with blocks, you know? Thank you so much, Danny GSR, saying that I'm the GOAT, greatest of all time. I appreciate that indeed. But guys, this has been a slice of heaven. I really, really, really appreciate you on being here on my 120, 120, 142nd episode, and um, AB Bula has one question, wants to see the minivan, so I'm gonna switch, the, YouTube, forgive me, you can't see this, but I'm gonna switch this around, and right there is the minivan. Minivan, through the door on my inside, next to the Odyssey, and a customer's EG Civic Sport Formula Drive, you know? So that being said, that is that, so that is a wagon. So nonetheless, guys, if you haven't subscribed to the BeastModel YouTube page, please, as we leave today, head over there to the BeastModel YouTube page, subscribe, hit the notification bell. I have some crazy stuff going on. Kevin, you haven't been here in a while. You see what I'm doing? I'm doing some crazy stuff here. Thank you so much, Abdullah. Stay safe, everyone. I will see you soon. I'll have this up very soon here on IG. I'll have it also on YouTube as an archive. Take care, everyone. See you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.